0: Hey, if you have a Bible, we're going to dive right in today. 1 Corinthians chapter 12. This is a great day that if you don't have your own Bible, you should grab one. We've got some folks with red shirts. They will give a, a copy to you that can be your own copy. We want you just to have the Bible. If you don't have one, get one for today and borrow it. Uh, open your phone or whatever, your fake Bible, your digital Bible. You can use that or you can follow along on the screen. But we're just going to hang out in one passage of Scripture today. We're going to kind of do the deep dive Bible study. Is that all right? Can I teach that? today because that's what's going to happen, so if you can get in that mode, that would be great. The title of my message today is, you were made for this. You were made for this. Now, because this is a two-way, two-way street, I want to have some participation. I want you to turn to your neighbor and tell them, neighbor, you were made for this. Go ahead. I turn to the other neighbor and say, you need to stay in your lane. <laughs> This past week, my wife and I and our three children and Pastor Dan and Pastor Linda had the privilege of going whale watching with a family from Charlotte County here that attend our church. And it was, uh, it was an amazing experience just out on the boat in, in the Bay of Fundy. And we happened upon the, the hugest humpback whale just out doing this thing in the middle of the freezing cold Atlantic. And there he was and he spotted our boat. And I think he must've wanted to mate or something with the boat. Because he came right up to us and he was like showing off his flippers at us and like flipping his tail up and he just circled the boat for like 40 minutes. It was crazy. He was like whale snotting on us and everything. It was the only time in my life that I was excited to get snotted on. I was like, ah! It was happening. It was so cool. It was just, it was really awe inspiring and kind of breathtaking and just overwhelming to see such a humongous animal and a huge, beautiful creature there in its element. Like swimming, this this massive creature just in the middle of this water that I would die in within a matter of of minutes most likely would drown and freeze to death. Here's this thing just doing amazing because it's in its element. There's something really powerful when something finds that for which it was made. There's something really powerful when we are in our element. You ever notice that? Like there's, a, there's almost this transcendent glory that comes when you find that space for which you were made. You find your natural element. You see it in Children. Uh, In the innocence of children, I can can watch my three-year-old son Alex play Hot Wheels for an hour, and just the peace that comes from him being in his element, where he should be as a little boy, innocent, not thinking about the world, not thinking about who's running things, or if this party's going to get in or that party. He's not worried about anything. He's just worried about his Hot Wheels, and he's just on the ground. There's something special that comes from being in your element. You know what I'm talking about? Uh, you, you might see it in, in a mother who has a multitude of kids, like she's got this grace for it. You ever, you ever see that mom who's got like nine kids and they, she's homeschools them all and she, she, she like meal plans and she, they churn their own butter and like they got everything down and she can just do it because she's got a grace for it. And she's like inner element. There's this, there's this other thing that happens. Or maybe, maybe it's not the mom. Maybe you've seen it. There are there are people who are gifted in the business world and they're just able to make amazing decisions. They've got a knack for it. And there's this, there's this extra notch they have that average people don't have. They've got this, it's like they were made for it. I have some friends here at the church that are, are part of large businesses, and they make on a daily basis humongous decisions with massive amounts of zeros that for most normal people like you and me, we would crack under the weight of that kind of decision and they they just do it. They got a grace for it. They're just, they roll in it. There's something quite amazing when you see somebody in their element. Maybe it's a a gift of of art, maybe singing. Not too long ago, uh, my kids, we we were listening to the radio and just the the repeated amount of, let me call it um, stuff because of the setting, uh, the the, the repeated amount of, of just bad music. That was coming on the radio and bad singing with auto tune, like "Shawnee," that stuff, you know. No, no, no your audience. <laughs> like keyboard singing and like anyway, I'm sounding old, aren't I? Look at this old cranky old man up there saying they don't make music like they used to, and they don't. <laughs> so I, so I put, so I put some Whitney Houston on for my kids to hear what real singing sounds like. <laughs> That's a gift. You ever hear that woman sing? Like she had some other stuff that wasn't going super well for her and had some issues, but nobody ever said that girl had anything but skill when she sang. Like there was something, something extra. There's this, there's this power that comes from, from finding your element. There's this power that comes from when you operate in your giftedness or you experience someone operating in their giftedness. But perhaps there's even more power than, than witnessing someone's gift than those few moments, maybe you've had them in your life where, You have that realization, you maybe did something, or you had some kind of thing happen, and you stepped up to the occasion, and you had this sense, this almost like this this sixth sense of like satisfaction that came where where it felt like I was made for this. Like this is me at my best. When I'm doing this, this is is what I was made for. There is a power that comes in, and I would argue that perhaps a lot of the frustration, dissatisfaction difficulty and pain that we experience in our lives a lot of it actually comes from from not being in our element those times where we're actually placed somewhere that we aren't gifted for or we aren't able to handle or we aren't naturally uh, capable of dealing with like if you were to take the mother of nine and the and the ceo and swap places both of them at the end of the day would probably feel very drained because they, they aren't as gifted for that. Nothing causes the, the, quite the, the, the same amount of tension and dissatisfaction like being placed in a place where you're not gifted. I think that's why, one of the reasons we loved American Idol. Remember the show American Idol? Like it showed on display the difference between someone who, who, who had a gift and someone who clearly did not. I think that's why I love Simon Cowell, because he said the thing that nobody, to, that nobody would say, but we all wanted to, right? Like, nobody loved those people in those first rounds enough to say, you suck at singing. So Simon did it, right? But there's nothing quite as dissatisfying or fulfilling as finding that for which you were made. There is a frustration that comes when you live outside of it, but there is a fulfillment that comes when you align with your design. We have, for the last few weeks, been in a series we're calling Turn the Key. And the whole purpose of this series, if you've been following along, has been asking the question, when we look at the Bible, what are the things that God gives us, equips us with, to access the life that Jesus promised us? We've been looking and reading the words of Jesus, and he tells us that the byproduct of knowing Jesus is supposed to be fruitfulness. It's supposed to be fruitfulness. And so we, we decided as a church and as a body of believers, we're not going to, we're going to just not try to leave anything on the table. That if Jesus said we would be like a city on a hill, if he said we'd shine like stars, if he said we'd be the salt of the earth, if he said we'd bear much fruit to the glory of the Father, that's what we're going after. And so we've been looking for different keys to try to find fulfillment. And today I want to look at the, the fulfillment that comes from aligning with the way that God has designed you to function. We've talked about different things that help unlock fulfillment and unlock life and power in us, but today there is a a mighty principle, a mighty key that I want to talk to you about that has everything to do with how God has equipped you and designed you to function in the context of his church that actually brings you life where you don't have it. To do that, I want to look at 1 Corinthians chapter 12. We're just going to do a Bible study. We're going to read. I'm going to teach. And this is a message that, honestly, I believe with all my heart, the Lord wants to deposit in our body because here's the thing I'm convinced of. Nothing freaks the devil out more than when the church gets activated. And so we're going to talk about what it looks like for us as the church to get aligned and activated as individuals. And then we're going to see what God does in the future because of that. So 1 Corinthians 12, Paul's talking Uh, to us. But in this day, he was talking to the Corinthians. And if you don't know anything about the book of Corinthians, it's like the ultimate dad letter. Like Paul is a little bit, there's a little bit of edge in the Corinthian letter, letters that aren't in the other ones because the church in Corinth was like messed up. Like, these guys had some major issues going on. There was heresy and bad theology. There was sexual immorality. There was infidelity. There was even incest. There was idolatry happening. And so Paul writes this letter, just like this mic drop letter, to try to bring them back into alignment and help reset them so that they can live the life that Jesus had for them. And he writes them this. If you read the first 10 or so chapters, he's kind of dealing with theology and what, what I would call vertical alignment. And now he starts to, to move into how they see themselves and how they're supposed to operate with one another on the kind of the horizontal plane. And I want you to look at it today. And we're just gonna look at this one scripture. And I think it's gonna give us some, some handles on this key of God's design. It says this, Paul's writing, he says, now, dear brothers and sisters, so we talked about this other stuff. Now I wanna to talk to you about this. He says, Regarding your question about the special abilities the Spirit gives us. Special abilities the Spirit gives us. I don't want you to be misinformed. I don't want you to be ignorant. I don't want you to misunderstand this. So, he, so he's saying, I'm, t- I'm about to correct you. All of these things have been happening in the Corinthian church and a bunch of just weird stuff that wasn't aligned with what the Bible says or what Jesus intended. Paul is now bringing it into focus and he begins by saying this, you know that when you were still pagans, you were led astray and swept along in worshiping speechless idols or mute idols, static, powerless, inactive idols, handmade things. So he says, so I want you to know we're not like that. Watch this. He says, no one speaking by the Spirit of God will curse Jesus. If the Spirit's active, no one can say Jesus is Lord except by the Spirit. So he's saying the Spirit's job, the Holy Spirit's job, is to enable the proclamation of the Lordship of Jesus. More on that in a second. There are different kinds of spiritual gifts. Get that thought in your mind. So what we're going to talk about today is these gifts. But the same Spirit is the source of them all. So the Spirit gives different kinds of gifts to different people. Verse five, there are different kinds of service, but all to the same end. We're all serving the same Lord. So He hasn't made you the same. You're unique, but we're all to the same ends. Here it is, verse six. God works in different ways, but is the same. It is the same God who does the work in all of us. Now let's just pause there and talk about for a second what He's getting at before we go any further on this topic of spiritual gifts. Paul is trying to correct them from where they had gone astray in the past. In the past, they had begun to believe what he called speechless or mute idols. They had conjured up a type of Christianity that I would probably typify and Paul would typify as powerless that there, it was more intellectual, more philosophical. It was about thinking and, and, and more about what you knew, not about the life you lived or, or the things that followed you. And so Paul tries to reset them and tells them this very important thing. He says, I want to talk to you about the, the special powers, special gifts that should be showing up if you are a follower of Jesus, because I don't want you to be, be misinformed. Don't think that this is like other religions. Don't think that this is like other things. This is not self-help. This is not get better, get rich quick. This is not uh, some just random religion to improve your your morality. That is not what this is. He says this is a matter of power. Following Jesus is a matter of power. In fact, he said it earlier in in chapter 4, verse 20. He said the life of the kingdom, uh, let's read it, 1 Corinthians 4, verse 20 said, so the kingdom life for the kingdom of God is not just a lot of talk, but it's living by God's power. Here's what he's getting at. You and I, as believers in Jesus, you gotta get, this, get your head around this, We were made to not only walk in the knowledge of God, the philosophy. We we were not only made to walk in the the provision of God, but we were actually made to walk, live, and move in the very presence and power of God in our everyday, ordinary lives. They're supposed to be anything but ordinary. That, in fact, he's saying your life should be typified by power. Let's talk about the spiritual special abilities that the Spirit gives you. That's what he's getting at. So this is some major stuff that takes this whole Christianity thing from a set of beliefs to an actual living experience. And Paul is saying, let's talk about your experience. You are supposed to be uh, anointed with power and that when the Spirit comes upon you and the Spirit does its work, there's going to be evidence of the Spirit on your life and those evidences will point back to Jesus. That's what he's getting at. He's saying when the Spirit comes upon you, It is the Spirit's job to proclaim and demonstrate the lordship of King Jesus. That is what he's talking about. And that's what we have to understand when we get thinking about this, that God's Spirit, these special abilities, he enables these special abilities to proclaim and demonstrate the lordship of King Jesus. This is exactly what Jesus said in Acts 1.8 you know the story? Jesus died on the cross. He rises again in victory. Then he shows himself to the disciples. He teaches a few more things. And then this is the last thing he said to his disciples before he, the Bible says he ascended to heaven. He said in Acts 1.8, you will receive, can you say it out loud? You will receive? Yeah, no, you, no you, will, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you and you will be, can you say it? My witnesses. You know what a witness is? A witness is a living representative It is a person who demonstrates and displays the truth about Jesus. So saying, you're going to be my witness. When the power of the spirit comes upon you, it is going to make you like me. And you're going to move and live and walk and breathe on the earth like me. So that wherever you go in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, to the ends of the earth, people are going to say, hey, Jesus is Lord. Look at that person hey, Jesus is Lord. Look at that church. Do you see the things that are happening? He's saying it is going to be evidential. This is not some secret faith. This is not some secret ideology. But in fact, it is a faith that if you have faith in Jesus and you receive the Holy Spirit, there's supposed to be a witness to the power of King Lord Jesus. The Spirit of God enables us. The church are the empowered people of God. We are actually the image of God on the earth. Do you know that Jesus, the Bible says, is seated right now in heaven at the right hand of God? And the Bible says that he poured out the Spirit upon who? Us, the church. And so now the church are the body of Christ on the earth. If anybody asks, where's Jesus Jesus is seated in authority in heaven, but his body is assembled in unity through the church on the earth. So if Jesus is going to heal somebody, who's he going to heal through? If he's going speak, like to speak as one with authority, who's he going to speak through? Us. If he's going to calm seas and break chains and, and calm the storm, and if he's going to cast out demons and heal the sick and raise the dead and proclaim the truth and bear crosses and, and feed the hungry and heal the sick, who's he going to do it through? Us, that's right. And so Paul is trying to get the Corinthian church to understand something. If you're writing notes, write this down. You were made for this, meaning, first and foremost, the church is God's gift to the world. How do you think about the church? We, the church, the people of God, are actually God's gift to planet Earth, to the whole creation. Let me say it like this. You can write this down if you're taking notes. The world flourishes when the church gets activated. The world flourishes when the church gets activated. The plan of God, no pressure, but get this. The plan of God to reconcile, redeem, and restore, and recreate all things is through the church that's amazing that should make you both a little bit it should make you nervous-sided right like really like how do you think about the church is the church that place you go to once a week is it those people you associate with is it a service or do you understand that the church is the single hope of the entire world that's what this is y'all like, the, the church is God's only plan. He has no other. God has hung everything and banked everything on the church getting activated so that when we move on the earth, we show and declare the de- the demonstration of the power of the King Jesus. That's what we do wherever we go. Our lives say, our actions say, our words say, our works say that Jesus is Lord. And in everything that we do, wherever we go, at the workplace, in the home, our job is to take the reality of heaven and plant it on earth. Wow. Isn't that amazing? So, so get this. Like, I, I know it's really easy to get, get caught up in the powers of this world, and you see the great organizations, you see the apples of the world, and you see the Google of the world, and the Amazon of the world, and you think those are the players, or maybe you see the political powers, and you see the Trump administration, or you see you see uh, you know the, the election that's running in our own province right now, and you think that those are the players. Or maybe you see some military powers or police forces, and you think those are the real players and powers at work in this world, but not not according to the Bible. Do you know that long after Apple ceases to exist, long after Yahoo's gone—Yahoo's already gone—long after Amazon's gone, long after the Nasdaq crashes, long after America is just a blip on a history book do you know what will still be here the church because jesus started the church and what jesus starts always will be so how do you think about the church do you see yourself do you see what we're doing here as this collection of believers from all different backgrounds do you see us as god's singular plan to bring life to planet earth the church is the plan not just extensions of the church, I praise God for the parachurch, I praise God for, for social activists, I praise God for, for great civil servants who want to make a difference in the world. I'm thankful for that, but my, my hope is not in whether they get it right or not. My hope is in the church because Jesus is the CEO of the church. Jesus is the Lord of the church. Has the church always gotten it right? No. But the church is the bride of Christ his only bride. The church is the family of God, his one and only family. The church is the Lord's army. I could go on and on, but are you excited? Like, you gotta understand something today. Like, if you're gonna get activated, first and foremost, you gotta understand, like, to what ends this, uh, this is all about. Like, what do, you, what do you give the best version of you to? Like, what gets, what gets the best of you? I think I would argue that, the, the, that God wants the church to get your best, because the church is the only thing that is eternal, it is the only thing that God is, is entirely invested in himself into. It's the church of Jesus Christ. Now, so Paul says, that's just an aside, you can keep that. So number one, understand the church is the hope of the world and the world will flourish, not when Amazon gets higher stock, not when this government gets in or that government, although you should get out and vote, be a good citizen. The Bible tells us to do that. I'm not saying protest, all that stuff. But I am saying, don't place your hope in institutions of man. Place your hope in the institution of God. I thought there'd be more amens than that. All right, let's keep going. So Paul says about these special abilities. So now he's, he's get, get, we get a vision for what he's talking about. Now he wants you to understand how it all plays and interacts with one another. And he's talking about these special abilities that all of the people in the Corinthian church had and all the people in our church have. And now there are two ways you can understand these abilities, That the Spirit gives us. First and foremost, there's the natural giftedness that God has given everybody who is a human being. Everybody has some type of capacity. All of us. We all have a certain level of resource, a certain level of ability that we come with. Some of us are are good in the arts. Some of us are good at making things with our hands. Some of us are are good with our minds. Some of us are good in the business spectrum. Some of us are good in the home. Some of us are good in in a variety of ways God has given us natural giftedness. And Paul is first and foremost talking about that. When the church comes together, we're this collection of natural gifts. I love that about the church. Just saying. I'm a bit of a nerd. And that's been stated before. And sometimes I think about, like, what would happen if, like, the zombie apocalypse happened and, like, society crashed? You're all judging me right now, aren't you? Like, the, our pastor thinks about this stuff? No, I know I don't. Some other pastor does. No, but what would happen if, like, society crashed and there was no longer any government or any of that stuff? You know who would be fine? The church. Because we got Everybody. We got police officers and we got teachers and we have doctors and lawyers and principals and politicians and we have, we have healthcare workers and nurses and firefighters and, 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 and construction workers and carpenters and, and cooks. Like, we eat so well. Like, we would really eat well. Like, so, I'll tell you what, like, potlucks made me fat for the first 10 years of my ministry. Thank you, everybody. Appreciate that. <laughs> That just made everybody awkward. No, keep keep baking for me. I just, I have more self-control now. <laughs> Look what Paul says in Romans 12. He says, For just as each of us has one body with many members, that, and these members do not all have the same function, so in Christ, we, though many, form one body, and each member belongs to all the others, and we have different gifts according to the grace given to each of us. So God has given you a grace for the church. And, and some of you... You already know like what that is. Like you already know that if you're if you're good at baking, then bake to the glory of God. If you're good at speaking, then speak to the glory of God. If you're good at business, then do business to the glory of God. I've had conversations with some of you who, who are, are like you have the gift of earning. Legitimately, like just everything you put your hand to, you make money. That's a gift that God wants you to do unto his glory so that you can you can sow into the kingdom. Do things to the glory of God. And this is what Paul is getting at. Bring your giftedness for the betterment of the kingdom. Bring your natural gifts. But he's going one notch further than just our natural gifts. Because here's the deal. You know who else has a collection of natural gifts? The people who love the sea dogs. There's natural gifts with them and the people at your business and the people who work for this company or that company. If you pooled all your giftedness, your natural abilities, that'd be impressive too. But Paul said what distinguishes us is not just how we use our natural gifts, although we must, but how we use spiritual gifts. And this is what he's talking about, these spiritual gifts. It's more than a collective talent, but we become empowered supernaturally. Look at it. Let's read it. Verse 7. He says, a spiritual gift is given to each of us. So can you say this out loud? We can Yeah, we can help each other. God actually gives us a spiritual gift. So not just speaking naturally now, we're speaking like supernaturally, that there are gifts that God actually gives to all believers. He's not talking to the pastor here in this letter. He's not talking to some superstar, LeBron James Christian, who is supposed to be the demonstration for us all. He's talking about all believers. This is what the prophet Joel said, that God would pour out his spirit on all people. Let, like, Let's just confront that right now, that, that God has some special type of, you know, SEAL Team 6 Christians that do all the heavy lifting, and the rest of us are just punks who show up and take up space. That is not the scripture. The scripture here is saying God gives us all a spiritual gift turn to the person next to you and say whether you know it or not you have a spiritual gift say you have a spiritual gift seriously you have a spiritual gift if you are a follower of Jesus you have a spiritual gift that that the blood of Jesus has purchased for you and the spirit has given you every single believer has a spiritual gift let's bring that back up we're doing full-on bible study today So verse 8, he says, To the one person, the Spirit gives the ability to give wise advice, wise counsel, it might say in another translation. To another, the same Spirit gives a message of special knowledge. He'll tell you things that you could not know. The same Spirit gives great faith to another. And to someone else, the Spirit gives a gift of healing. He gives one person the power to perform miracles and another the ability to prophesy He gives someone else the ability to discern whether a message is from the Spirit of God or from another spirit, the gift of discernment. Still another person is given the ability to speak in unknown languages while another is given the ability to interpret what is being said. It is the one and only Spirit who distributes all these gifts and he alone decides which gift a person should have. That is really amazing. Think about the intimacy and the glory of that. That whatever gift you have, the king of kings and lord of lords thought, you know what, I'm going to give Tracy this gift. I'm going to give Debbie this gift. I'm going to give Stephen this gift. I'm going to give Tom this gift. That is amazing that your designer selected for you exactly what he wants to give you for his glory and your fulfillment. That's incredible. That is so amazing. Verse 12, let's read it and then I'll break this down. It says, the human body has many parts. But the many parts make up one whole body. So it is with the body of Christ. Let's pause there. And what is he talking about? So he says that the Spirit of God comes upon us when we believe in Jesus. That we, get, uh, we receive a spiritual gift that when we utilize that with the body and we come together in mutual service and submission and unity, something amazing happens. We actually form the very body of Christ. That's amazing. Uh, I've been watching a, a remake of a show that I watched as a little kid. There's a new version of it on, on Netflix. DreamWorks made it. Um, you're going some of you are gonna think I'm a huge nerd and all my fellow nerds are gonna be like, yes! I'm watching Voltron. <laughs> yeah? <laughs> like, like, and and, and Voltron, <laughs> there's no cool way to explain Voltron. There just isn't. <laughs> I've been watching it with my son. He likes it. But it was this show that was on when I was a kid, and now they've made this remake of it. And Voltron is like these these five superheroes who drive these super flying cat robots. Yeah, there's just no way to make that sound cool. But what happens when these these robots, who who are pretty cool in their own right... The amazing thing about Voltron is they aren't the superpower Voltron that defends the galaxy and fights off evil and is the kind of conqueror of the universe until they come together. And when they come together as this robot Voltron, it unlocks this other power that was at work within them that wasn't there. It was kind of dormant. But when they came together, it makes this super monster powerful robot. So cool, right? (laughs) And uh, so Preacher Dad is watching it with his son, and I've been thinking about this stuff, and we're watching it, and my son's geeking out about it. My little guy, my three-year-old guy loves to watch Voltron, too. He calls it Voltron, and, uh, and he kind of half pays attention. And my, so my, my oldest son, Aiden, and I were watching it, and, and he goes, Dad, isn't Voltron just the coolest hero in the universe? And, I, and I'm, I'm like, actually, no. No, he's not. He said, you know who the coolest hero in the universe is? The body of Christ said and when we when we come together and the arm locks in and the other arm locks in and the the feet lock in and Christ who is the head and the sword of the spirit we are the hero that is out there kicking butt and taking names and kicking back the gates of hell that's who we are and I was getting all excited right and like preaching at my son and my son here's the problem of being a preacher's kid you hear it all the time he's like dad I'm trying to watch Go with me here, though. This is kind of what Paul is getting at in a very real way. I mean, I know we don't think of flying cats ourselves as flying cats and robots, and you probably shouldn't. That's going to be socially awkward for you in a lot of different ways. But if you understand that, that God has given you a unique purpose and a unique function in your own natural abilities, but then when you submit that to the body of Christ and you start operating in faith that you lock in and it unlocks a potential and a power in you that the Spirit gives you that you cannot do by yourself. But something amazing happens when you bring your gift and I bring my gift and you bring your gift and we come together, it forms the body of Christ. And when Christ's body, where Christ is, anything can happen. Where Christ is, like, like the, where the Spirit of the Lord is, where the presence of the Lord is, like demons run away, there's healing. There is truth being spoken, chains being broken, darkness being pushed back. Like, that's what happens. When, like, Jesus is still on the earth in the body of Christ, but it only happens as we come together. So if you're taking notes, write this down. When we get talking about this, you are made for this. What were you made for? Number two, you are God's gift to the church. If, if the world flourishes when the church gets activated, get this, the church flourishes when you get activated. When you submit yourself and say, I am in this for the glory of God and I want to be part of this church and I want to be used. Even if my my gift is to speak, I want to speak. If my gift is to bake, I want to bake. If my gift is to love on people, I want to love people. If my gift is to, to lay hands on people and see them healed, I want to do that. When we bring our giftedness forward, that's what forms the body of Christ. And that, listen, that is what this world needs is the body of Christ living and moving and active on the earth that's when things start changing. And so Paul says, and I wish I had time to break all of this down, but Paul says there are different types of gifts. He said there are words of wisdom. There are words of knowledge. We've got a whole list here. Words of wisdom are different than words of knowledge. To some people, he's given the gift of wise counsel. And in fact, in a supernatural way, there are some people who are just wise, And then there have been times where, there have been times even in the leadership of our church where God has given us ideas, strategies, and and helped us make decisions that we just could not have known on our own. Uh, God also gives words of knowledge. I've been around, I've seen it, I've delivered. Uh, I've been all around to to see how incredible it is when God drops information in someone's mind to tell someone else so that it reveals the goodness or the plan or the truth of God. God gives words of knowledge. God gives the gift of faith. Do you know how bad we need faith in this body? And God has actually given, the Bible says God has given everybody a measure of faith, but to some he gives the gift of faith. Why do we need the gift of faith? Because it's so easy to have unbelief, isn't it? Listen, we don't, we don't need you. Like some of you, you think you're defending the inerrancy of Scripture when, when people are proclaiming and, and trying to say, hey, let's, let's believe Jesus can heal in faith. And there's always that like Debbie Downer, like, you know, read Job. Sometimes it doesn't go good for people. Like, <laughs> thank you. Yes, thank you. Do you know that we, we do need that? We do need people saying, hey, let's do the whole counsel of God. It's not like God hasn't just said, if you just zap everything and everybody's going to be healed all the time. Look, if everybody was going to be healed all the time, the guy who wrote this, Paul, would be here to say this himself. All right? So, so there's, there's a now not yet aspect, but God does give people the gift of faith so that we don't just kind of sink back into, well, let's just wait it out until Jesus comes back and never see the great mighty works happen in our day. We need people who have the gift of faith who are saying, I know, I know what's happened in the past. I know we've prayed and not seen the answer we wanted. I know this has happened, but I also know that my God is able and that even if he doesn't heal, I'm going to keep contending for it because I know who he is. We need people with the gift of faith, gift of healing, the gift of miracles. Do you know that our God is still healing people? We We see it all the time right here in our own gatherings. We've seen bodies healed. We've seen addictions restored and broken. We've seen people with deep, deep emotional wounds began to be rebuilt. Like God is still healing. God still does that. And God anoints certain people with that gift. Now, God can anoint anybody at any time. But there are aptitudes that he has given certain people. And some people in that whole realm of healing, I wish I had time to talk about this, Some people have an aptitude for one type of healing and some other people have an aptitude for another type of healing. I don't know why God in his wisdom does that, but let me tell you something. There just are no LeBron James superstar people in the kingdom. Jesus is the superstar and we all reflect him in our own unique way. I've seen a grace on my own life. I've prayed for a multitude of couples trying to conceive babies and they conceived. And and so I started to think, okay, maybe God, that's one area that you've made me quick to say, well, let, let me pray for you because God seems to do that through me. So. And there are different ways that God wants to move through different people. There is prophecy, the gift of prophecy, the gift of distinguishing between spirits, the gift of tongues, the gift of interpretation of tongues. I'm going to break all of that down next week, so come back. We're going to talk about how God speaks to and through the body. There's the gift of the apostle, the prophet, the teacher. I wish I had time to preach on that, how God designs the church to function on a five-fold ministry. Apostle, prophet, teacher, evangelist, shepherd. Uh, There's the gift of miracles, different kinds of healing, the gift of helps. Do you know how huge the gift of just, just being a hospitable, loving person is in the kingdom? Like right now, we have families who are grieving Right now we have a family in the, church, in the hospital, Pastor Dan's there right now. We have people from the body of Christ around them showing the love and strength and kindness of Jesus in the time they need it most. That's the body at work for the common good. That's how it's designed to function. We were made for this. And here's why the spiritual gifts are so important. I, I, I'm going to break that down. We're going to do a, a class on that actually coming up. Well, here's why the spiritual gifts are so important and why they're more important even than just the natural gifts is this. It's more is because the moment that you experience the supernatural power of God through the spiritual gifts, all of a sudden this God who is just something we talked about, maybe a philosophy, maybe an idea, all of a sudden it comes into a third dimension. Like, it's like God in 3D. Like when when you have that moment, like if anybody's ever been on the receiving end of a word of knowledge where someone comes up and says, hey, the Lord told me that you were wrestling with this decision and he wants you to do this. it, It absolutely undoes you. Not just because of what that does in your favor, but to know that God knows me and he knows what I'm wrestling with and he knows what I'm thinking about. It brings God into the here and now and it shows you that God is not far, but he's near. Uh, Even when God heals, like it it just shows people in real time, no, Jesus is still moving and living and active. You see, the gifts actually unlock God's very presence. It brings the kingdom. It brings Jesus into 3D. That's what the gifts are for. So when the gifts are active, we flourish in corporate health. When, When our gifts are activated, the church flourishes in corporate health. We give strength to one another for the common good. We give wisdom. We give advice. We give faith. That's God's design for the body to flourish. Did you know that? The reason, look, stay with me. I'm almost done. I'm going to be done in a second, but this is so important. The reason so many churches are weak and malnourished and closing is not because they don't have good intentions. It's not because they're bad people. It's not because they're bad communicators. It's because the gifts aren't activated. Because God God actually did not make any of us to be an island unto ourselves. This cannot be accomplished alone. It It can only happen when we come together in unity and we serve one another in the love of Jesus, in our giftedness. That makes us stronger. Every single one of all of my greatest encounters with the living God have come through a person. Every one of them. Have there been times, Pastor Brent, where you've heard the voice of God and you've, you've been studying scripture in your own intimate time? Yes. But all of the single greatest moments of my life where God did something profound came through another person. All of them. That's how God wants to work. So the church starts to flourish that way. And then get this, when the gifts are activated, that's when we start accomplishing our true mission. Look, I, I'm so thankful for our band. I'm thankful for Pastor Jay Muir and the, and the stuff that he does. I'm thankful that, that I get to preach. And I'm, I'm thankful for uh, our facility. I'm thankful for the nice cushions that you're seated on right now. I'm thankful that we have air conditioning and Wi-Fi and lighting and all that stuff. That's great. But that never saved anyone Ever. What saves people and what changes people and what changes communities and what changes mindsets and what breaks old habits and chains and what changes generational cycles of addiction is not you know our lighting, it's not the cushions, it's not the seating, it's not the nice building. We thank God for all of it. What changes people is an encounter with the living God, period. So what happens when we get activated is we get efficient in our mission. And let me tell you something. The church does not have a mission. The mission has a church. God's mission has a church. Let's finish up. So so Paul's talking. Are, are you tracking? Is this too, is this too heavy on a, on a Sunday morning, too deep? All right, got to do this. Listen, I, I just don't want to be junior church my whole life. For real, right? Like, I, I just don't want to leave things on the table. I, wanna I want to mature. I want, when I'm 70 years old, I want to be just freaking Jedi Master, Right? This guy, some of you new people are like, this guy is a giant nerd, clearly. (laughs) No, really, I want to grow in this. I want our church to grow in it. I was, I was driving here this morning look at the trees, and I felt the Lord just say, I want King's Church to be an oak of righteousness that just hangs over the region that people are able to see and come for strength and nourishment and shelter and shade. That's what God wants to do. So that's why we're diving deeper. I know some weeks it's just easier when Pastor Brent's got the mic and he's telling funny stories and all that, but we got to learn some stuff. We're just not going to be ignorant. Amen? Amen? All right. Thank you. That makes me feel better. Verse 13. So Paul's talking about how this all affects the church. I'm almost done. I promise I'm going to read this because this is important. He talks about how this affects the world. When the church gets activated, the world flourishes. When, When you get activated, the church flourishes. But now he's talking about how this affects you. Look, verse 13 says, some of us are Jews, some of us are Gentiles, some of us are slaves, some of us are free, but we've all been baptized into one body by one spirit, and we are all we all share the same spirit. So he's talking about the unification that comes through knowing Jesus. It doesn't matter what your background was. It doesn't matter what your skin color is. doesn't matter what your aptitude is. doesn't matter what your intellectualism is. We are unified in Christ, period. Then he says this, yes, the body has many different parts, not just one part. If the foot says, I'm not part of the body because I'm not the hand, that does not make it any less part of the body. And if the ear says, I'm not part of the body because I'm not the eye, would that make it any less part of the body? If the whole body were an eye, how would you hear? I love, Paul's got swagger here, right? This is such a dad. This is such a dad letter. Or if your whole body were an ear, how would you smell anything? But our bodies have many parts and God has put each part just where he wants it. How strange a body would be if it only had one part. Yes, there are many parts, but only one body. The eye can never say to the hand, I don't need you. The head can't say to the feet, I don't need you. In fact, some parts of the body that seem weakest and least important are actually the most necessary. And the parts we regard as less honorable are those we clothe with the greatest care. So we carefully protect those parts that should not be seen while the most honorable parts do not require any special attention. So God has put the body together the, together such that extra honor and care are given to those parts that have less dignity. This makes for harmony among the members so that all the members, what are the members? Who are the members? Us. All the members, the limbs, the hands, the eyes, that... that they care for each other. If one part suffers, all suffer with it. If one part is honored, all parts are glad. If all of you together are Christ's body and each of you is part of it, here are some of the parts that God has appointed for the church the apostles, the prophets, third, the teachers, and then those who do miracles, those who have the gift of healing, those who can help others, those who have the gift of leadership, those who speak in unknown languages. Are we all apostles? Are we all prophets? Are we all teachers? Do we all have the power to do miracles? Do we all have the gift of healing? Do we all have the ability to speak in unknown languages? Do we all have the ability to interpret an unknown language? Of course not. You don't have it all. But you do have something. So he says, so earnestly desire the most helpful gifts. See, what was happening in Paul's day and in, in the church in Corinth, and this would never happen in our church, but what was happening is some gifts were getting more praise and attention than other gifts. That some people were being elevated while well, he's the preacher. And some people's gifts were being downplayed. And so people were starting to covet other people's gifts and downplay their own. And there became this kind of disunification and disassembly of the body. So Paul's trying to bring it back and saying, listen, you are one body. And if, you're all, if, if one is hurting, if one member's hurting, we're all hurting. Like, think about that. Like, if I came to you and I found you writhing on the floor and I, say, I would say, uh, are you in pain? It would not be wrong for you to say yes, I'm in pain before you diagnose that I stubbed my toe, right? Maybe this is help, help, more helpful. If you you are a basketball player and you hit the game-winning shot, and you came home and, you, and I, this never happened to me, but if it ever did, and I came home to my wife and said, "Hey, guess what? My hand hit the game-winning shot." She said, "You're what? You'd never say that." Yeah, this is the best hand ever, right? <laughs> No, I'd say, I hit the game-winning shot, right? Why? Because it's my freaking body. And I decided to do that. And so Paul's saying, you're unified. So if one gets glory, all get glory. If one goes down, all go down. If one gets hurt, all are hurt. If one gets esteemed, all are esteemed. Because why? It's all unto Jesus together. It's so amazing. He's saying, don't, don't elevate one over the other. And he goes, in fact, let me just encourage some of you who... Think that, you know what, your ministry's not valid if you don't have a microphone. He said, in, in, in fact, he said, the things that seem like they require, that have less honor, he said, actually have more distinction in the kingdom. He said, the hidden parts are actually more important. Like, like, like for, for me right now, you can see my hair, correct? I know there's not as much, hey, hold on. There's not as much as there used to be, but... <laughs> You can see it, and you can see that I got a fresh fade from my man, Clarence, Master Barber, who goes to our church, Body of Christ, doing its thing. He cut my hair, and you can see my hair, but you know what? I'm going to be all right if, as my hair falls out, which is, I'm not prophesying. I'm prophesying thick hair for the rest of my life, in Jesus' name. <laughs> but if my hair goes, Brent's going to be fine, right? Like some of you bald guys are be like, all right, bud, right? But if my pancreas decides to, like, go, you can't see my pancreas. No one has ever said, Brent, I like your pancreas. <laughs> ever. It's not noticed. It's not seen. No one's ever said that. But my pancreas, we would all say, is much more important than my remaining hair follicles. Correct? And this is what Paul's getting at. He's saying, listen, there are parts of the body that no one will ever hear about. There are parts of the body. There are people functioning in the body, doing things that nobody will ever see. Look, we're going to get in glory someday, and you're going to be looking for, for Billy Graham's stage, and God bless Billy Graham, I'm thankful for that man. You're going to be looking for people who have had platforms and people that you knew about on the earth, but the people who are going to get the most high honor in heaven are people you've never even heard about. Grandmothers who prayed fervently. Moms and dads who just served diligently and fought the good fight to say, you know what? We're going to balance hockey and church, and we're going to bring up our kids in the church. People who fought the good fight behind the scenes are the ones that God's looking at and saying, I got glory for you. And so we can't elevate one gift over the other, and we run into problems when we start to say, well, that's special, and this is not, and that's not special, and this is. God has assembled his body, and he chose each of us for a reason and for a purpose, If you're writing notes, I know some of you are OCD and you'll want the third point, so here it is. You were made for this. Your gift is God's gift to you. Here's the the cool thing about you finding your giftedness. You flourish when you get activated. It's not just that when the church gets activated, the world flourishes, or when you get activated, the church flourishes, but you flourish when you get activated in your gift. You know who receives the most from your giftedness? You. I know that to be true for myself. I'm, ben, you can come back. I'm almost done, I promise. I know that to be true for myself. Like, I'm thankful. I get, so, I get all kinds of you coming and telling me God used me in your life, and I am thankful for that, and I, 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 I love that. I love that God uses me and my giftedness. But you know who needs me to use my giftedness the most? Me. Like, I need my sermons more than you do. No, I'm not my biggest fan. But what I'm saying is, if I don't operate in my giftedness, I am actually unlo- I'm locking up the flow of God's grace and fulfillment in my life. He designed me to function in this place and in this way in the body of Christ. And when I do, I come alive. It's, it's the same way for you. I, I watched a, a few weeks ago my, my buddy Anthony, who, who's, who's growing in gifts in the prophetic uh, we, we were at this service and uh, he gave a prophetic word to a guy and just the power of God just came through him and it was so powerful and potent and the guy like his knees buckled and he went to the ground and it was so amazing to see just God move through Anthony like that and, and Anthony and I walked off to the corner after and we both like we're, we're, were pretty good buds and we looked at each other like that just happened, that just happened, yes! Right? <laughs> we're like fist bumping and kind of like secretly just dancing, Right? Like, you know who was more blown away by that than the person who received the prophetic word was the person who delivered it. Something, it it takes you to the next level in your own fulfillment when you find just a place to serve God, to actually serve God. I think some of you who are wearing red shirts today or some of you who came early this morning, you're parking cars, like, yes, it's work. Yes, it's tiring. Yes, it's a grind. But I think you would all say, I get more than I give. That's how the kingdom works. Some of you aren't flourishing because you're inactive. And so this, this message is simple. It's just a call to activation. No one needs you to get activated more than you. You need to get activated. So if you're bored, if you're disengaged, if you're, if you're, if you're lethargic about your faith, you're doing it wrong. This is the most exciting, life-giving, liberating, electric life you could ever imagine. Right here in the church. We are one body on a mission. You are God's gift to the body and God gave you a gift to bring fulfillment to you.